Lord woke me up at about 3.30. <laughs> and I was praying over communion. I was praying over what God wanted to say to us today, what he was saying to me. Um, and uh, the last couple of days, I've had a lot of thoughts about it. I've had a lot of thoughts on, well, maybe it's time to share my testimony. <laughs> that would take too long. <laughs> and it'd be too scary. <laughs> so, um, but... Uh, I was just up this morning, I was reading this story over and over because what God brought to my mind again this morning, and he always does, is Judas. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to tell me something. <laughs> but um, I want us to take a look at that this morning because I, as I was reading it and, and I realized it hit me that in the Last Supper, there were the 12 disciples, right? And there was Jesus. And, but that wasn't all. There were the 12 disciples. I always think of it. There's the 12 disciples. You see the picture of the 12 disciples. You see Jesus. But there was something else there. And it was the devil. <laughs> Can you believe it? That picture of the Last Supper. But the devil was there. Because shortly after Judas took the communion from Jesus' hand, from his hand, he dipped, Jesus was next to Judas. He dipped it in the oil and he gave it to Judas. And it says that when Judas ate the bread, the body that Satan entered in to him at that point. And I'm going to tell you something. That's always bothered me. It's always bothered me. Because I've always gone for the lost puppy. <laughs> Rescue those in trouble. You know? You, you want to rescue those, and this I know. I know the Lord has shown me this in my spirit, is that Judas loved Jesus. Judas loved Jesus. And yet, he, was, he put himself in the position where Satan was able to enter him. And I was like, Lord, why? Why? He ate the body. And one thing the Lord brought to my mind was, but he didn't drink the blood. He didn't drink the blood. He just took the body, and then he ran out. Because Jesus said, at that point, I think Jesus said to him, go and do what you have to do. I'm paraphrasing. Go and do what you have to do and do it quickly. But I think at that moment, at that moment, in the Last Supper, all hell was going to break out because they were coming to get him. He knew that. Jesus knew what was happening. He knew they were coming to get him. They were going to take him, and he was going to go through literal hell. And he did. But you know what, guys? He took time. He gathered his men together that he had mentored for three years in ministry. Judas was one of them. He gathered them together, and he said, do this. Do this. This is my body. This is broken for you. This bread is my body broken for you. For your brokenness, for my brokenness. That's what his body was broken for, for our healing. And then he said, this is the blood. This is my blood. 
it wasn't just like how all my life, like I've always loved communion. And I've always tried to remember Jesus and what he did on the cross and would come to tears often and, and come to a place of repentance because, you know, you're taught and it says in the word, be, be thinking about this. Like this is a time of, uh, Jesus said, do this, do this in remembrance of me. And, you know, he knew, he knew that he was going to, it was the last supper. It was the last time. And he said, do this. It's a mystery that we can't even try to solve. We should not try to solve. It's the miracle of his love. It's the miracle of his broken body for our healing, his blood for our forgiveness and cleansing, his blood to cover all of us. And so we gather together today like they did that night. We gathered together. And all the disciples, including Judas, and I just think about Judas like, I think he must have been like a control freak. <laughs> How many of us are like that? <laughs> Nobody in this room, right? <laughs> but, you know, I, I love the chosen and I love how they're portraying him so far. But, um, and, you know, he was taking care of the finances and he was trying to uh, bring in income for the ministry because God helped the ministry it needed money. Jesus was there, but that didn't matter. He had to have the money. He had to make the money. He had to control things. He had to fix things. And I believe he had a plan. And I don't, and I honestly believe, and we'll find out someday, but I believe that he didn't think Jesus was going to be crucified. He thought Jesus would come out on top because he believed Jesus was the Messiah. But he had a plan, and it was his own plan, and it wasn't Jesus' plan. It was his plan, and it was to fix things, and it was to make things okay. And it, it bit him. It wasn't what Jesus wanted. It's not what he wants from us. He wants our surrender. He wants our submission. He wants us to say, come here, gather around, do this. This is my body. This is my blood. I'm doing this for you. Remember it. Remember it when things get tough. Remember that you have to gather together. You have to come together. You have to come together. That is part of the plan, the gathering. This is part of the plan, the gathering of his people, the gathering of marriages, the gathering of families, and I praise God, I was thinking about it this morning, what a blessing, the gathering of this family to worship God and to come before him and to, to be blessed, to take the body and the blood of Jesus to cover every need we have. Miraculously, you, can, you may take it today and you may not feel anything. But I can tell you, you're eating the body and you're drinking the blood of Jesus because that's what he said. And that's going to go in you and it's going to be part of you and he's going to be part of you. And someday this week or this month or this year, you're going to need it. You're going to need him. Sorry. And I'm just going to share a tiny bit of my testimony. <laughs> it's this. When we had COVID, when it came, and we all thought everyone was, might die, and some of us almost did. <laughs> but, you know, it was scary, and, and we couldn't come to church. We stopped having church for a while, and I got to tell you, I was scared. I was so scared. I was scared for my kids. 
I was scared for my grandkids. And we tried to do what was right. And, um, but one of the things that happened through that is that we were home. So the Lord had been speaking to me for about a year or so about communion, koinonia. That means communion. Can we say it together? Koinonia. This church knows it. They hear it almost every week. (laughs) It's a magical word. It's really not magical. It's a supernatural word. It's a holy word. And it's connection to Jesus. It's connection. So during that time, we started having communion at home. And it was hard. It was weird. It was like, is this right? And I remember, remember kids, you coming down like the first week that COVID came out and all the grandkids came down and we actually... We actually had a bottle of Concord wine (laughs) because it came from Jerusalem. (laughs) We wanted to get Israeli wine. (laughs) It probably doesn't come from, I think it comes from New York City. (laughs) That's where they produce it. Hopefully the grapes came from Israel. (laughs) But so we were have Grandpa and I were having it and the kids were like, I'm like, you guys want to have communion with us? And they're, they wanted to, because we all needed Jesus. COVID was out there, and it was going to kill us. <laughs> and so we passed it around, and everybody got a little cup, a little sip. Ephraim was crying because he was so afraid that he was sinning because it was wine. <laughs> He was like, I can't drink wine. I can't. I can't. We're like, you can. You can. It's communion. (laughs) But that was a great memory, Ephraim. And uh, so we partook together and we prayed together. And Chris and I started having communion like every day, sometimes a couple days or a couple times a day. And whenever I would try to have it when I was alone and... I'm going to tell you something. Something happened to me. And I can't really share it here because I don't want to scare anybody, any kids. But (laughs) let's say this, all by myself, alone on a couch, God delivered me and set me free in in a physical way that was unbelievable and amazing. And I know he has shown me. Because I'm like, Lord, why did that, how did that happen? Because I was like, I was kind of a lot like Judas. And I think I have Judas tendencies. I think that I try to fix things. I try to control things. I try, I want to fix things for Jesus. I want to do things for Jesus. And yet, I didn't realize it, but by having that place in my heart, I was actually separating myself from Jesus, from him doing it, from his help. So many of us get tired. We get tired. We get so tired. We get so frustrated. We get so, uh, like, what's fed up. What's going on? Because we're trying so hard and Jesus just says, no, 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 no. Come here. Gather with me. Come. Come with me. Here. Take this piece of bread. Take this cup of wine. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for many. No, no, no. You don't have to do that. I made you just to be you loving me. I'll do all those things through you, right? So we have to surrender to that, and we have to, we have to do this, guys, because look what happened to Judas, right? 
And I'm going to tell you, it happened to me in a way. It did. I know it did. And I don't know exactly how. It was good intentions. That's what the Lord spoke to me this morning. It was good intentions. Judas had good intentions. I had good intentions. But it wasn't what we needed. We need Jesus. We need him. We need his blood. We need his body. He knew that night they were coming. The soldiers were coming. They were on their way. He gave Judas that last chance. He said, Judas. Or he said, he didn't say Judas. He said, someone in this room is going to betray me. He gave him an opportunity to say, it's me. But Judas made a choice. And this is the message I have for this communion this morning. Lizzie's looking at her watch. <laughs> she always tells me I take too long on communion, but <laughs> today's a day. But, so, this is the thing. This is the word we have a choice to make. Are we going to choose to surrender? Are we going to choose to let Jesus do it? Are we going to choose to repent? Are we going to choose to just stay in that place of, I can't do it, you got to do it, Lord. I can't do it. You got to do it through me. But through you, all things are possible. It's so, it's so miraculous. And communion is so miraculous. Koinonia is meant for us. It's meant for us to connect to Jesus in a way that is miraculous. His body, his blood. But again... We can choose this morning. We can say, all right, but I need my religion. Or I need it my way. Or, you know, maybe like Judas, he was like, well, let me take care of this. And then, you know, we can get some land for the ministry. And then we'll have a place for Jesus to lay his head We can take over for Jesus, or we can say, God, help me, forgive me, cleanse me by the blood, heal my brokenness by the bread. You are the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of your life. He's the bread, and he's the blood, and he will cleanse every every tiny, tiny, tiny spot. And that's what happened to me as I began to understand the miracle of communion. I didn't even ask for it. I didn't really even understand it. But then the Lord has led me through this process. And I know that my mission now, one of them, (laughs) is to share my testimony and say, like, just trust Jesus. Chris has always said that all through our marriage, that's his go-to. And I'd be like, trust Jesus, trust Jesus. What do you mean, trust Jesus? But we got to do this. <laughs> but no, it's, it's literally trust Jesus. So this morning, as we partake together, let's make that decision. Let's just make that decision. Jesus, you want to pass things out, honey? Grace, where is Ephraim? Oh, Grayson and Ephraim. Can you want to come help pass out communion? Thank you, boys. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Your body broken for us. Your blood. Thank you, honey poured out Luke 22:19 This is the word of God 
a supernatural, powerful word of God. This is Jesus. Jesus is the word. As we read this word, miracles today, miracles every time we look at this book and read it by faith. Miracles for our life and our family and our children and our children and their children. Thank you, sweetie. Let's take the bread together. (laughs) Hold it up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the body. Thank you for the body broken for us, broken for our healing. As we lift this bread to you this morning, God, we believe by faith in the broken body of Jesus for our healing. We receive healing by faith. We extend healing out to those we know and love who need healing. Lord, you are the God of healing. You are a healing God. And we believe, God, this morning by faith that, Lord, you said, do this. Take my body. Partake together. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to read this little verse here. And it says... And he took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. So let's break that little piece of bread, as Jesus showed us to do. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your healing, Lord. And in the same way, he took the cup. Let's take the cup. Hold it up. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. I'm going to say that again. This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Let's partake. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've given us. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord, for the body and the blood. Thank you for your word that shows us what we need to do and that we can rely on you, Jesus. And I pray that you would minister this miraculous truth to us each week that we partake, every day that we would remember you, Jesus, in us. And we thank you and we praise you. And everyone said... Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, boys. You did a great job. Well, good morning, everybody. Before we get started with a sermon, we're going to take up an offering because I do not want anybody to be left without a blessing from God. So, Grace, you want to come on down? So, Father, we thank you and we praise you for this day. We thank you, Lord God, for the work that you've done for us on the cross. 
We thank you, Lord God, for your communion. We thank you, Lord God, that we can gather together as a family. Lord God, to come and worship you and to partake of communion together. I thank you, Lord God, for each person here. I pray that you would bless them. Bless the work of their hands. Bless, Lord God, them financially, physically. Bring healing to their bodies, Lord Jesus. And I just thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in this house and what you're going to do, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we are just trusting you with all our hearts, not leaning on our own understanding, but acknowledging you in all our ways. And I know that you will make our path straight. And we just praise you and we thank you for this tithes and offerings. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. God is good, amen. Get that thing to flip over. There we go. All the time. Flip too far now. There we go. Father, I pray, Lord God, that, Lord, that you would speak through me and use me. I pray that, Lord God, that you would open our ears and eyes to your word and our hearts and our minds to receive all that you have for us today. And I pray that, Lord God, anything that's of me, that's not of you, that it would not even be a remembrance. <laughs> Lord God, Lord, we want to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I was starting to read Psalms 23, and believe it or not, and I'm not a crier, like my wife, <laughs> but I started to tear up a little bit, and I said, okay, Lord, I know what you want me to share on, because today's crazy world that we're living in, <clears throat> in all kinds of things that we're hearing every day, from all kinds of people who you want to trust, and believe, who think are making right decisions, but you don't know what to believe because you don't know what is going on, because all we hear of is wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, plagues, famines, you know, it's crazy you hear things like there's no eggs left in the shopping markets and you hear all kinds of crazy things that can bring worry and stress <laughs> that can bring worry and stress to your mind and when I was reading through Psalms 23 I just like you know it's so true the psalmist David I like to picture things in my mind when I read the Word a lot. And I can picture David, just heart full of praise, under a tree overlooking a field of beautiful green glass, grass, glass, beautiful green grass. It's kind of like spelling anchor, okay? So you got to forgive me. <laughs> it's an inside joke. For myself, I like to figure things out as much as possible. And I think that's probably could be a drawback. But I like to exhaust all of my human abilities and capabilities first. I think I, think I take too many things on in my own strength. And I don't know about you, how you, everybody else is out here. For myself... I kind of like, okay, Lord, I can handle this. I can do this. I can do this on my own. I can take care of this. This isn't that, that big of a deal. And my wife was agreeing, uh-huh. She says, it's true. You know, I, I'll try to exhaust all of my resources first before I go into full-blown panic mode. <laughs> 
But I really don't. Because it, oh, the Lord always brings me back to my senses. He always like, okay, you're rooted in Christ, built up. Believe in my word. Get into my word. Trust me. Don't rely on your own strength. Don't trust in man. I think we put too much hope and faith in men. You know? You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that really bothers me a lot. I mean, there's a couple of them that really bother me. But one of them is in Luke chapter 21. Or excuse me, it's in Luke chapter 6. Verses 27 through 28. That's not the one. Try Luke 21, uh, 16, Joe. Luke 21, 16. This one here really gets to my heart. You know, and when I'm reading this, Julie and I, we've been watching The Chosen. We've watched all the series, all of the episodes, you know, and we look forward to watching those every Sunday, um, The Chosen episodes in the series. And I'm telling you, we would love, we want to show it here in the church for the whole congregation to have a movie night. We want the kids to do that and partake of that. Um, But one of the things, this last week's episode is Jesus going to his hometown of Nazareth, right? He's there. <clears throat> and I have to read it to you. Because sometimes when you feel like things are going bad and everything is like against you and you just can't seem like you can you don't seem like you can get ahead, or you take two steps forward and you get knocked back three steps, and you feel like you're starting right back off where you began. You know, I think of Jesus when he returned to Galilee, and he says, and this is in Luke 4, chapter 14 through 27. I'm going to read it. In the power of the Spirit and news about spreading through the whole countryside, he taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed. Let me read that again, because I want to paraphrase. I want to, not paraphrase, but I want to. You know, he stood up to read. He's in the synagogue. Jesus is in the synagogue. He stands up to read. And the scroll of Isaiah was handed to him. He didn't pick out this scroll. It was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read my word, when I get it out, I'll open it up. And I'll read like the first thing. And my wife is big on this. Open up the Bible and what is God saying to you right there in that when you first open it up? You know, don't look through it. Just grab it, open it up, and read what's right there. I can picture that happening to Jesus in the synagogue of Nazareth. You know, he's got the scroll of Isaiah, which is a prophecy of himself. And he opens right up to it. And it wasn't like... I, I, you know, you know he's God, so you know everything that's going on, right? But he opens up to it, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolls up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant. And then he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were on him. And they were fastened to him, it says. And then he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him. 
and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physicians heal, physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. They wanted, them, they wanted to see miracles that Jesus performed in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that, you, that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. I don't know if you remember in Elijah's time, but Elijah prophesied the famine. And you would think that God would come to the widows of the Israelites first, correct? God's chosen people. He would pick them first, but he didn't. In Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, Elijah was not sent to any of those women of the Israelites who were widows, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman. The Syrian, who wasn't even an Israelite, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Now we watched this scene in The Chosen, and it was pretty amazing. I can picture the weight of all this, Jesus knowing that he's in his hometown. You know, I don't know, but when I was a heathen and the Lord told me to go home, where did I go home to? I came home to my hometown, to where I was born and raised. And it's like that, I know, you, I know many out here have feelings of this hill being their home. And it's a great feeling. To have that in you. Your home is where your parents are at. Where your mom and your dad live. Where they've born and they, they raised you. Where you have your friends all around you who know you. Jesus coming into Nazareth. Being with his family and his friends who saw him grow. Who saw him grow as a child to an adult man. Those same people wanted to throw him off the brow of the hill, the cliff, as the edge. And you can picture that, if you, watch this, if you watch that series, you can picture that emotion. You can picture those feelings of Jesus coming into his town, knowing that these things are going to happen. Knowing that a prophet is rejected in his own hometown. Knowing that he's going to be rejected by his friends, by his family. But yet he's still got to do the will of God, no matter what it is. And like he's like in that series, he said, I had to, he turned to his mother, Mary, and he said, I had to tell him. I had to tell him the truth. I had to tell him. But yet all of his friends walked him in that in that series. They walked him right up to the cliff of the hill. And what was amazing to me, the most powerful part of that whole series to me was that when the high priest was like, all right, everybody gather stones, we're going to stone them. The most powerful moment to me, and it showed the authority of Jesus, is when Jesus stepped forward and he looked at both of them that, were on, that had him by the arm and he said to them, this is not going to happen today. And he walked right through the whole crowd. To me, it showed the authority and the power of Christ. And it was just, to me, it was a very amazing and touching scene. It touched me. And I think of that, and I'll go back, Joe, to Luke chapter 
21 now. When I, when I read this scripture here, I think of our families, and I think of like, how, how can this be? Because this scripture really does bother me. It says, you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You, that's you and me as Christians, be, be betrayed by even some of our closest friends and relatives. Not only will they betray us, but they'll put some of us to death. I think of that scripture and it bothers me because it's like, how can my family betray me? But yet, I see what they did to Jesus in Nazareth. And Jesus said, they hated me. They will also hate you. It's written. And you think, Chris, how does this all tie in with Psalms 23? Well, when I read Psalms 23 this morning, and when it touched me, you know, I'm not even going to use my notes because I'm all over them anyways. When I read Psalms 23, and I think of the comfort that we have in Jesus, I think of all the things that are going on in the world, all of the chaos. You know, I think of like, what kind of world are we going to leave our grandkids? What kind of world are we leaving our children? What kind of witness are we being to, our, to them? How am, how am I impacting their future? How is the next generation going to take over and lead this? I, I struggle with that same thing, even in our business. How is the next generation going to take over the business and lead this? I can't leave them in this uh, situation. That's not good. Right? How am I passing down the heritage of Christ for my family? How am, I, how am I impacting their lives? Not just how am I, but how is my witness, how is my testimony, how is Jesus impacting their lives? When we gather around and we have family gatherings, you know, are we talking about what Christ has done in our lives? Are we sharing what Jesus is doing? A lot of times we're not. And a lot of times we have to trust God. Sow the seed. Sow the seed. Keep sowing seed. And we got to stay faithful to know what, we got, what we're doing. We just got to stay faithful to God. We have to trust God. Because, God, you know, to go back to that scripture, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. And I think of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. I mean, we all probably know this psalm that's out here. Even through the chaos, you know one thing that's amazing? There was never a storm that Jesus couldn't calm. There was never a storm that Jesus couldn't calm. Think about that. Jesus was asleep in the middle of a storm on the ocean with the 12 disciples. And they're all saying, we're all going to die. Wake up. Wake up. We're all going to die. We're, this boat's going under. And he just got up and he calmed the storm. There was a, never a storm. And there's never a storm in our own lives that Jesus can't calm. And we're going to all go through these storms in life. I guarantee it. From the smallest to the greatest. And some of us have been through storms already in our lives. You know? We've gone through storms. We're going to go through more storms. The Bible tells us all about all the storms that are coming. You know, listen to the news. They want you to get caught up in the storm. They want you focused on the storm instead of focused on Jesus. There's never a storm that Jesus can't calm. And not only that, when you're in the storm, he can lead you besides green pastures. He can be with you there 
and by the quiet waters, besides the quiet waters. He's there. We have to remember that wherever we go, Jesus goes with us. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. Don't ever forget that. Because when fear comes, and fear is not of God, fear is of the devil. There's only one good fear in the Bible, and that's the fear of the Lord. That's it. The fear of the, you know, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's the only fear we should have, is the one that can hold, that hold your entire life and salvation and eternity in his hand. We don't need to fear man. We don't need to fear anything that's going on. Remember, Jesus can calm any storm, and it's Jesus that leads you through to green pastures. He takes you across quiet waters. He refreshes your soul. He guides me along the right paths of his name for his namesake. And it says, even though I walk through the valley of the, even though I walk through the darkest valley, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you're going through the storms of life, think about that. I mean, King David went through some storms in his life. He wasn't perfect by no means. He was a great king, but the one thing David did do on a repetitive schedule was repent. <laughs> you know, he repented of his sins. He got on his face. He asked God for forgiveness. You know, he sought God. He seeked God. He knew where his strength comes from. He knew where his help comes from. His help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He knew that everything, this world didn't matter. The most important thing that mattered to him was his relationship with his God. And he knew that if he got his relationship with God right, that everything else is going to be all right. Because he's with the one who can calm the storms. And that's where we need to glean to. That's where we need to run to with everything we have. And hold on to with everything we have. We need to hold on to the one that can calm all the storms. With everything we have. We need to be like the, like the lady with the issue of blood. I just need to touch the fringe of his garment. And I'll be healed. Jesus, just say the word and my daughter will rise. Or my, or my son will rise and be healed. That's what we need to be like. And even though, you know, we read, I know Matthew 24, I know Luke 21, it's all about the end times. And we're going through parts of these end times. We can see it. These are the birth pains. The world is going through craziness right now. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody, nobody really knows, except for God knows. You know, and there's, you know, what, what I do know is that there's powers and principalities of darkness and high places that are out there to kill you, to, to steal you away from God, to destroy you, and kill you. That I do know. There are powers and principalities in high places. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against one another. It's against those powers and principalities in high places that want to steal you and that steal you away from God. Steal the blessings that God has for your life and to keep you held down. And trust me, these are battles that I battle with on a daily basis. You know, and, and these are battles that I think we all deal with. Because I'm telling you, if you're doing something for God, the devil is going to try to come against you and stop you. If you're doing anything good, the devil wants to come and he wants to destroy that. He wants to pervert that. He wants to pull you away to make you feel like you can't. Make you feel like you're inequipped. You don't have the knowledge or you can't spell great. Or 
which I do know how to spell anchor. I just had a brain block. A-N-C-H-O-R. I know that. And it's so funny that I can spell pretty good. I just I had a moment there. A-N-K-E-R. <laughs> it is a word. But I, I literally had a brain lock there. It was pretty funny. But anyways, just remember, I'll keep this short. Remember, Jesus can calm any storm. When you have, when you feel like you've exhausted yourself, and you know, and you've done all you can do, Jesus can calm any storm. Any storm. There's not a storm in life that Jesus isn't the answer for and that Jesus can't calm. Amen? So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for, Lord, this word. I pray, Lord God, that, Lord, that you would... Um, Just, Lord God, let it sink in, whatever's from you, right into our spirits. Lord Jesus, and anything that's not of you, Lord God, I do pray that you would just burn it up in the fire, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for your blessings upon my family. I thank you for each one here. Lord God, I thank you for, Lord God, for Mark and Terry and faithfulness they have and just in the friendship that Julie and I have with them. Lord, we, we thank you for them. We pray you bless them. Lord God, bless them. I know they're going to be leaving for Florida this week. Pray that you would give them traveling mercies. I thank you that Abby and Judea and Grayson came with them. Pray that you would bless them. That Lord, we pray blessings over their family. Lord God, in healing and health and prosperity. Lord God, to them. Lord, it says in your word that, Lord, an angel encamps around his righteous ones. We pray angels to be encamped around Mark and Terry's home and Abby's home and their family's home. Lord, we pray that for all of our family. And Julie and I have been praying that, that angels would be encamped around all of our families, Lord Jesus. And Lord God, and that you would just give us the strength and the abilities that are above and beyond our own, Lord Jesus. And that we would trust in you and believe Lord God, that there is no storm in our lives that you can't calm. Lord God, help us to find our peace and our rest in you, as King David did in the Psalms. Lord God, help us to have a great faith and a supernatural trust in you. And I thank you, Lord, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone. It's a great scene. It's like a third of the church is filled. <laughs> Amen.